Texas gets back to practice. The best of Texas round two and USA Water Polo board member Houston Hall. Here we go. It's the TX Water Polo Podcast. I'm James Smith in Austin and Joe Linehan is in North Texas as usual. Joe, we have to stop using the show as a way to just discuss like hugely profound things for an hour before we get on here because now my mind is all rattled i have the notes in front of me so i know what we're going to talk about but man oh man we kind of use this as a big phone system i think i don't know about that but half the stuff that that we talk about before we actually have the podcast we can't put on the podcast so let's if people could hear these conversations it would be pretty interesting i think well yeah i haven't been recording by the way joe so you don't have to worry about it it's all good Um, It's all good nowadays. It's all good. A very interesting week uh, in water polo in the state of Texas. Um, I personally have some affiliation with that. But the big news in some ways is that USA Water Polo came out finally with a statement or at least guidance about how to return to practice. So they're starting to recognize that there are teams like mine that we'll get into that are either getting ready or are already back in the pool. Yes, and by the time people hear this, um, all the coaches and club admins have already gotten the email. Most members will have gotten an email as well. But yeah, I mean, there's just some just some basic guidelines. All if all coaches, um, if they're going to be on deck, they're going to have to complete a waiver or just kind of a check off a waiver yep. that's already within their uh, uh, membership. All athletes, if they are going to be attending, they're also going to have to click off that waiver as well. Um, I just am just telling all coaches out there, make sure you read the email from USA Water Polo. And then more importantly, know what your local guidelines are. Know yes. what the Texas guidelines are. Know what your local uh, kind of the city guidelines are. And probably even more specifically, know what your individual facilities guidelines are to start and return to play. And then once you know all that, have a game plan and send it out to your parents and athletes with plenty of time and communicate. Cause if you don't, the athletes will not come back. You need to be able to do that and have a game plan to make sure everybody feels safe and that you actually practice your social responsibility here. But, you know, in order to get back in and athletes to come back to the pool, it's just my big belief that you need to like, you need to do it right. Right, and you need to communicate it properly to everybody. Yeah. And then people, then people will come back because I guarantee those kids and parents, like the parents, want the kids out of the house. Mm, the most and they definitely. They want them to go do something. They want them tired, etc. So, and the kids are looking forward to going back in the pool. But if there's no plan and it's not communicated properly, the parents are are um, are probably going to be are going to probably hesitate. So. Right. Well, we can get into my team in here in a second because that's not been my experience, but that could just be the circumstances of the team. Yeah. Um, but the this this USA Water Polo letter, I know I know you want everybody to read it, but holy crow, that is a long letter, and I I'm sure that this will ruffle maybe some feathers. But to me, it basically was a very long-winded way of saying. Um, here are some guidelines that we think there are good ideas, but overall follow your local requirements, you know? And so, and that's most, and my boss has said the same thing about us swimming is that they came out with something that was pretty lengthy, but it was essentially saying, look, it's uh, use your best judgment and follow whatever your local regulations are. Yeah. I mean, that's just, and that's essentially what it is, but yeah. And everybody's going to have to, I mean, the athletes and parents, Hey, if you choose not to go back to the pool, that's okay. Yeah, totally. Okay. I mean, um, if the, if, uh, programs choose not to start until August, that's okay. 
But if you Absolutely do choose right. to come back in, here are some basic, uh, some, yeah, some base guidelines that we would like you to follow and, um, and make sure that you follow the rules. That's all. Yeah. Because if you don't, then you're not going to be insured and you're going to get kicked out of your facility. You're not, yeah, you're not going to be able to practice for months. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, it is just a reminder that, you know, I mean, for in April and into May, there were like, you know, there were there's no practice and no competitions, period. Yeah. For USA right. Waterfall. They were just, there was no insurance for, for, yeah, available for anybody. Now you actually have insurance available if you choose to follow your local guidelines right. and your facility guidelines. And uh, there is no competitions yet. There are no sanctioned competitions yet. No, we can't even think about it yet. Yeah. I mean, that'll that'll come kind of with this and you know it's going to be from 25% to 50% to 75% eventually everybody's going to be playing scrimmaging and we're going to see this in our in our uh, rearview mirror i don't know how long it's going to take but we will get to that point at some point yeah that was at least we made reference to it in our conversation before this about there's a lot of really interesting news about the virus uh, sorry vaccines and uh, antibody testing and stuff so uh, I'm I'm mildly encouraged by all that. But in the meantime, um, this is piggybacking really on Governor Abbott's announcement yesterday uh, about allowing um, base, more businesses to open. And Abbott's announcement is fine, and it included such things as uh, gymnasiums and such. But um, what was another thing that was really interesting is the UIL today made a comment on Twitter, um, and I'm going to read it actually. It says. Uh, UIL is aware of Governor Abbott's May 18 announcement and is actively working with the appropriate state officials to allow schools to begin limited summer strength and conditioning and marching band activities on June 8. Once finalized, details will be released to the school. So a little movement from the UIL. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, I mean, there's movement, so people are going to be starting to make some decisions and some facilities, and, and some facilities might start being open for either school district programs or even open to renters as well. It's going to be interesting. It is. Um, It's just, (laughs) I think we're out there in front of the whole country in a lot of ways, Joe. I mean, we can, uh, I'm just going to get into it. I mean, I had our first practice in two months since March 12, I think, was our last practice before we took a break for spring break. So uh, it's been over two months, and it was just completely awesome to be back on the pool deck it was just so great yeah so how'd it go so how did you have your uh facility like like the rules and then the communicate you tell your parents yeah what's what's interesting is i'm starting to get uh, feedback from people all over the country about what are the rules and you and i've had this discussion as well so um the city of round rock has been in contact with my boss and is telling him you know essentially these are the guidelines and the guidelines are basically what the state has set out and that you know th- that two meters distance and wearing a mask and washing your hands and being washing you know all of those kinds of things and i realize that sounds very um sort of amorphous and it is actually because i think these things are going to change over time so from a practical standpoint what we did is we we uh, our deck happens to be huge it's an outdoor facility we have a whole bunch of lounge chairs and so what we did is set up lounge chairs each of which is two meters apart and when you show up, you put your stuff down there and you don't move it. And that's where you stay also. So any dry land, any, um, you know, 
lecture conversation whatever has to be done with you seated at your lounge chair you know and so that worked out really well for us yesterday now our um, facility is not required to wear masks it's optional and so i've been telling our families that as well as that that, that they can choose to do that if they want to um, but from a practical standpoint there's winds of three to five miles an hour going on all the time and so I did not wear a mask for most of yesterday, but what we were assiduous about was making sure that everybody kept their distance. And that included during the swim sets, that included during passing and shooting and all of those things, which we did, all of which was great, but everything was spaced. It had to be structured so that people weren't, you know, making body contact. But other than that, it was uh, in its own weird, strange way. It was kind of normal. But now here's the biggest question, the most important question. Did the kids have fun? They, well, that's a mixed question. Here's why. I, I hit them pretty hard. <laughs> like one of the best and worst things about this break has been just the ability to learn. There's been so much. I, I think I'm going to rename myself Jack Coker. I don't know. But uh, just learning so much from these online sessions with these really, really good coaches that uh, I was like, we're, we don't have time to mess around. So we did a good decent amount of dry land we did a good decent amount of goggles on swimming which i don't prefer i'd rather not do that but we just have to get back into shape and then we were working the whole time it was great it was really great no one was sitting around um so fun yes must have had a smile on their face right they did they were so happy to be back the parents were ecstatic it was great you know all of that stuff really worked out well well good i mean and just like you know i'm sure it's gonna be a little bit more difficult with the younger kids to start with because you know they're going to go right into it and they may not kind of, kind of fully understand the, um, the social distancing concepts and such. But <laughs> I, I, I would assume the older kids were a little bit more understanding of stuff. They so. were helpful in that way. I'm, I'm, one of my problems is I've got siblings. And so, you know, these siblings have been cooped up together for two months. So to them, social distancing is ridiculous, at least between one another. Right. But, um, at least from an optics perspective, you know, we don't want some city official driving by and just seeing people all, you know, gathered together. So I had to tell them, you know, look, I know this might sound ridiculous, but you have to stay apart as well, even though you've been, you have been in your house for two months and you're going home with this person as well. So, but yeah, it's, it's, it was so, it was 97 degrees too. So it was like a real Texas, um, you know, return to the pool. Yeah. Did you get a little sunburn? No, I don't. I stay in the shade. I stay yeah. in the shade. And I'm um, my old friend, Sasha, when I was coaching in California, used to make fun of me for putting on sunscreen. And now I think he's regretting that. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of sunscreen. No problem. Well, congratulations, James. You're the first program that I know of yes. that is back in the water. Um, definitely the first program in Texas. Um, you're leading the troops. And I'm sure you've shared your story over and over again, even just since yesterday. So, um yeah, I mean, um, we're hoping that a ton of other clubs get to start kind of going, but yeah, beginning of June, the beginning of July, or at the very least, the beginning of August. So. I, I will tell you that I am surprised at how almost proud I am that we're among the first teams, um, because in some ways, who cares? But, you know, we're a little tiny club. We, we're, you know, nobody really knows about us a whole lot, which is totally understandable. So I'm, I'm actually quite pleased that the, that news is getting out. 
but that does not change the fact whatsoever that I'm delighted to see other teams ramping up as well. I cannot wait. I'm so very happy for them. And then, and on also not too pleased about the ones that can't, you know, it's not, it's not cool. It's, but, uh, but yeah, it's been a very, very interesting couple of weeks because who knew that this was going to happen, by the way, for those of you who might be outside of the state of Texas, I would love to know if there's other teams that are already practicing again. I don't know. You know, Joe just said that, uh, it doesn't seem like it. And that's been my impression as well, just based on social media and other things. But if there's somebody else practicing, I would love to know that. And I'll push it, you know, that information out as well. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, everybody has their own little story. And uh, was it, you have a very unique to being the first one in, in Texas. And uh, was it um, now, now we're going to get to hear some other stories and, uh, and hopefully everybody's going to get to share their experiences, kind of get back in the water here kind of this summer at some point. I hope so, too. I just got a note from somebody in Ohio that and it sounds like they're facing a similar situation. So that's good. Like that's that's they're getting ready to hop back in anyway. All right, Joe, that's enough of that. Let's come back with uh, what we're introducing as the best of Texas to just wait. Right about now, you might be expecting some song and dance about a product you don't need. Well, shush, we don't advertise here and we want to keep it that way. So we sure would appreciate your help. Show your support by going to txwaterpolo.com forward slash donate so we can keep covering the sport we love in the great state of Texas. Hi, this is Natalie Benson, and you are listening to a podcast about water polo in Texas. It's James and Joe back with you, uh, segment two here. Um, and as we said right prior to this, is that we have come up with, and we've been discussing this a little bit in sort of broad terms, but now we've branded it Best of Texas 2. So this is a, we talked about how what we wanted to do was discuss the, the best programs. And, um, and that can be a little bit difficult in my estimation because I would tend to look at, I know what you mean by best programs, I guess, but it always focuses back on let's, I would just call them like individual teams, but it's not all that true. And I'm all over the map right now. So I get that part. But so, so for me, I go back to California and I think modern day, and I'm a Wilson guy, so this is very difficult to say, but modern day of the early 2000s, the best team I've ever seen. Like they're just phenomenal. And on the girl side, Laguna beach is probably the best team. But but that's probably what we're looking for is something like that, like programs from a particular era of time that has shown sort of consistent excellence. So we're going to talk about the consistent or like the like the teams from a specific decade or such. But we're going to be we're going to actually have it in the hands of everyone listening uh, to vote again. So we're going to have right. an elite eight and it's going to be the programs program um, and that'll be like let's just use Sterling since they won the boys and girls. Right. So, um, it'll be the Sterling program as far as they've won X amount of girls championships and X amount of boys championships going up a different, uh, like against a different team that has won this amount of boys championships and this, uh, and this amount of girls championships. Right. So we can see, we have already discovered that the 2007 boys and the 2007 girls from Sterling were the best teams in right. Texas history. Yeah. Now, 
now we're going to talk about the best programs, you know, like and that. that is the school teams and that boy, girl, or just girl or just boy. So, right. I like that. Yep. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, and then we're, and then, then we're thinking about uh, kind of, kind of putting the Houston area programs together against the outside, yeah, the outside of Houston kind of, kind of areas yeah, together. It's going to be a, a lot of fun out there. Yeah, we want to. We want. I think that the idea of having those regional rivalries and having them beat up on each other is actually a great idea. Um, it, it because and it, and it sort of sets it up in sort of regional championship format, like we have in actuality, right? That's it's that's a really cool way to put it. Yeah, it yeah, it's going to be a, a lot of fun. So the idea is we're going to be putting that together here over the next few days and rolling it out for next week. So we'll talk about the first round um and the matchups on the podcast next week and then everybody will have a a week to vote just like we did in the best of texas teams right the best of texas programs um and uh was it um and then we'll have three rounds of voting so we're gonna have an elite eight of uh, kind of a final four and then the final two programs it's gonna be a lot of fun so, so we have a general idea of what those programs are Right. Is that fair to say? Um, yeah. And yeah, it, but I am fascinated by and want input from whoever's listening is is what do you think? But I would. So anyway, contact us if you have any thoughts about this at pod at TXWaterPolo.com, P-O-D, pod at TXWaterPolo.com. Um, but make your case that that's really the important part. It's not it's not enough to say it, it, it was this team. You know, it's why, like what, what signs have they shown of say consistency or excellence or those kinds of things. That's, what's really important to me. And that's consistently over time. We're not talking about yes. just a really good team in this year that might've been excluded from the top 16 boys or top, or exactly. the top 16 girls. It is going to be a school that was, that has had kind of good teams from the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and, uh, and into 2010s. I mean, that yeah, that yeah, that had a 10-year dominant period or a 20-year right. yeah, kind of dominant period. Yeah. So, um, and I can tell you right now, Baytown Storm is probably going to be one of those teams. So there you go. Oh, I've ruined it. You've biased the voting again, Joe. How dare you? I'm not you? biased for voting. I'm just saying that they're going to be one of the top eight. I don't think that's there's any doubt about that at all. Right. So um, anything else to talk about that? this? Because we've got some other – we have a cool interview coming up. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. So another thing that so we're going to be doing is each of the next couple of weeks, we're also going to be talking about a decade and kind of – and mm -hmm. we've done this a little bit before, but maybe highlighting some of the kind of the better um, – like the better – teams that won each decade. And today I think we're going to do a little bit of the seventies, right? Cause there wasn't a whole lot of water polo back then. This is when water polo first got started here in Texas was in, we I was in the seventies. Like you had what, I think five state champions for girls. I think you had seven or eight for boys. Um, but there were some very good teams back then. And yeah, the, you know, that, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Let me chime in here because the, I'm the newcomer to this. This is, this was the among the most fascinating things for me about Texas high school water polo was of course, I like to tout all the time that uh, the girls were playing in the state of Texas, you know, several de a couple decades before they did in California. That's a point of pride. Um, but I'm I just love the way that it's distributed geographically. So the, those early teams, those A&M consolidated teams on the boys side in particular, they were pretty darn good. Yeah, and I think that was part. I, I would say that was. They were the best teams there with Bobby Leland and his brother kind of kind of kind of leading the way, Bill Leland. Um, but that's where 
water polo was in the state of Texas. A&M had a varsity team. Right. And, you know, Dennis Fostick was coaching them. I guarantee back in the day that Dennis Fostick probably had something to do with Bob and Bill Leland being no, pretty good did. water polo players. Absolutely. You know, I guarantee that they might have snuck into a few practices and played a little bit, you know. <laughs> so um, let's just say the rules weren't probably strong, but they took advantage of those opportunities, which is the biggest thing. So, sure. um, and it came out. They won, in, yeah, they, yeah, they won the boys in 72 and 73 and, you know, and Lamarck won in 74. And then, you know, and we'll talk about St. Mark's here in a second, who won in 75. But, you didn't, but then we also had Clear Creek, who was, you know, is one of those dominant teams, you know, kind of kind of throughout the decades that have won consistently in both the boys and girls side. And then in the uh, and then in the late 70s is when like the uh, like the San Antonio domination started. So and that's the boys side or sorry, the, the girls side as well. I mean, it wasn't there. There wasn't quite the A&M college station presence on the girls side as there was on the boys in the early 70s. And so you, you tended to see teams from uh, Houston and San Antonio mainly. Right. Yeah, like um, like you had the like you had I think Clear Creek girls won the first three state champions. It was it was 1972, 1975, and 1977. So they probably could have won six or seven yeah. straight if they if they uh, really wanted to. That's a good point. Um, and then you know I think Clear Lake started and they won in 1978. And then Alma Heights again won the boys and the girls in 1979 to kind of kick off that decade of dominance from the San Antonio schools, which we'll talk about next week. Yeah, you know, we have some time to figure that out, but that I'm I'm just uh, so interested in, you know, how these programs came about. You know, it's like a, it's it, um in general you can say that that teams emerged, you know, kind of as a result of their swim season ending, right? So then they a lot of times they wanted something to do and water polo, you know, you hear about coaches like Doug Andrew who didn't really know about the sport. He was a swim coach and had to pick it up. And so, but you have to have that kind of, uh, I don't know, interest. So how did Alamo Heights come about? You know, that kind of thing. I'm, I'm, I'm can't wait to actually learn about that. Yeah. And we'll, and we're going to be doing some interviews over the next couple of weeks. That's going to highlight a, a little bit more of the history. And today's interview is actually with Houston Hall, who actually was a member of the 1975 St. Mark's uh, team that won the state championship. So it's going to so be he, fun to kind of like, com, like kind of compare and contrast water polo then and houston is also currently the u.s he's yeah yeah he's on the usa water polo board of directors so yes he can kind of compare and contrast kind of kind of, kind of water polo that's about 50 years apart so and still active on the master's level i yeah. know that right yeah. yeah and he still plays with dallas water polo so it's awesome yeah yeah that that's that's precisely the kind of person we want to talk to and actually you surprised me because i know houston hall decently like we've obviously met each other several times but i I didn't remember that he played for St. Mark's. I mean, he's obviously within that community, but I just forgot completely. So not only did he play for St. Mark's, but he played for the 75 team that won the state championship, which is, um, you know, that's just so cool. So well, I'll, I'll really look forward to hearing uh, from him. And actually, we'll just do that right now. The coming next are excerpts from that conversation that Joe had with uh, Houston Hall. And uh, we'll be right back with that. Hey, this is Mark Lawrence from Austin College, head coach of the men's and women's water programs and home of our kangaroos. When I'm interested in uh, what's going on with Texas Warpo, I always listen to TX Warpo podcast. Houston, how are you doing? 
Doing great, Joe. How are you? I'm good. So, so, so today's uh, we are with Houston Hall. So Houston is in a is in a very unique position. He played water polo back in the day, back in the 1970s with St. Mark's, and he also is involved um, highly with water polo now, uh, kind of currently up in North Texas and uh, nationally with USA Water Polo. So and so I'm gonna. Houston has a long list, so it's going to take me a sec to do the, all the introductions here. So Houston played at St. Mark's. He graduated in, in 1978. He won a state championship in 1975. And in 1977, when he was all-state team captain his senior year. And then he went off to go play at Harvard, kind of where he was all New England. He was captain and MVP his senior year, and he graduated in 82. And then he came back and played Masters Water Polo with Dallas Water Polo Club. He helped with the growth of the sport in North Texas, and he is currently on the USA Water Polo Board of Directors, and he helps with local clubs like Pegasus and like and uh, Thunder and such in North Texas. So, um, Houston, welcome. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for taking the time. Are you, I mean, how are you doing during the whole COVID-19 stuff going on? Well, like everybody else, I'm getting kind of antsy, but... Uh, let my hair grow out, try not to get too fat and, um, you know, keep busy. Are you being successful on the exercise kind of side of things? I know no, I'm not, I'm not, very, I'm not, I've not been very successful yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Are you doing, have you picked up a new hobby or doing anything fun during this whole time? You know, it's been, the fun part has been having a bunch of my family staying, living with me, two of my daughters who are, uh, you know, kind of came home to shelter in place and one lives in New York and she's home working remotely. One uh, is at University of Virginia and uh, she came home for the last few months to finish up the semester. And so it's been fun seeing family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. So now hopefully you've been able to catch up a little bit on the best of Texas. The main, the, yeah, the main reason is because the 1975 St. Mark's team was represented there. So, um, they didn't win the first round, but just tell me a little bit about that 1975 team. That, that team, I was a sophomore on that team, and um, I think I probably weighed about 130 pounds right there. <laughs> um, but we had some fantastic players. We had a guy named Scott Phillips, who was the only guy I've ever seen who could throw a water polo ball against the wall and, and pop it. Oh, geez. Okay, and, uh, there you go. Yeah, he later went on to play with uh, for Fosdick at A&M. Nice. So he was a real water polo player. Um, then we had some people like Greg Krause, who was, you know, became a incredibly fast swimmer and would have made the 80 Olympics if we'd, if we'd gone. Um, and he was just super fast. Um, so we had a combination of, you know, a few people that actually had been coached somewhere. And I think – Scott Phillips had gotten coaching from Dennis Fosdick. Um, but the coach of the team at that, that year was an English teacher named Tim Shutt. And um, so it was a kind of a combination. And Texas water polo back then was uh, really in its early stages. I mean, we had uh, – <laughs> I don't think there was another team. There might have been one other high school that played water polo in North Texas. So – Every weekend we'd get in these big, you know, Ford vans and our coach, you know, John Stutzman, who was also our calculus teacher and our swim coach, Ken Merton, would drive, you know, a dozen boys down to Austin or San Antonio or Houston and we'd stay 
wherever we could stay. I remember one time, one tournament, we stayed at some, they opened up some gym that was going to be demolished and we stayed on the floor. <laughs> you know, we might stay in a hotel room. You know, Everybody has budgets. Like, Everybody has budgets. So there you yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I've seen some pictures <laughs> and we were just, I'm sure it's very similar to what it's like now when you get uh, boys on the road. But, um, you know, we had a good time. We had a really good time. I remember one time we stayed on Jim Yates' apartment floor. Jim the man that is still playing. He is yeah. going to World Nationals, everything. He's still yeah. the most fit player out there in, in the water. So you guys also won in 1977 when you were like the team captain and got All-State. So what was the differences between yeah. this, like the 75 was, team and the I was not the team captain, but I did get All-State. And uh, so I'd say that team was a – Maybe not physically as good, um, but probably deeper. Um, by then we had um, John Stutzman was the head coach. Um, and Ken Merton was his assistant. Uh, Stutzman actually worked at it and learned a lot about water polo. And uh, was a pretty good coach. But, you know, it was, we were in pretty good condition, I'd say. We were in very good condition. We had um, a really talented goalie, Peter Kraus, who was my best friend in, in high school. He was like six, seven. And back then we played in our shallow deep pool at St. Mark's. And so in the shallow end, he was virtually unstoppable. So, um, so back then, did you have one of those big, huge goals in the shallow end? Yeah. Like, like the wall goals. So like, like exactly. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I but remember Peter, playing on those back in the day. So Peter could fill it up. And, and, uh, and the only games we really had up at St. Mark's were, were we would have, uh, we'd play SMU a lot. We played their club team and we'd play outdoor in their 50 meter pool, which was quite fun because by then Greg Krauss was at SMU. And so Greg and Peter could battle it out, but we'd always beat SMU. Um, I remember one time. That must have felt good. Yeah, it was fun. We had the Mexican junior national team come up to play us one time. And, uh, and we were shocked at how dirty they were. You know, we were these, you know, quote unquote, badasses from St. Mark's, right? Yeah. That's kind of a kind of a that's kind of a contradiction in terms, but um, yeah, th those guys were small but vicious. <laughs> <I remember. laughs> they still are. So yeah, yeah, yeah and they still are probably. But um, we lost to those guys. Uh, but we got, you know, the team was good. We had um, another Mike. Uh, the, the two captains were Peter Kraus and Sandy Watling. Sandy was a really good player. Um, he could you know, steal the ball, pass the ball, shoot. You know, he was in great shape. Uh, he, he was a natural. And um, and I was kind of the guy that liked to shoot a lot, and some of them would go in. And um, But did you like to play defense? That's the question. Uh, I liked to play defense. Okay, you know, good. I did. Good. Back then, the rules were different. We had the, the flag, you know, deal where you had to – if you fouled the whole three if, – if anybody fouled the whole man – Three times in succession, you were ejected. Yep, yep, yep. And um, and so then and you had to so switch plays that, and stuff like that. For in you had to switch, event. so you could get two fouls on the guy. Then you had to switch out. Yeah, oh, yeah. And uh, you know there was a lot of driving. You know, it just seemed like there was more driving back then than there is now. I think the players are, and the, the big difference now is that the coaching is so much better, and the players are so much better. I mean. It, you know, I, I was – it's amazing that the St. Mark's 75 team made the top – the Sweet 16 in your tournament because 
I don't think um, any of the teams that I played on could have, you know, could have competed with the, the, the St. Mark's teams of the last 10 years, for instance. I think you're selling yourself short a little bit, Houston, and like, and your team short. And plus the 75 team was kind of like the, that kind of represented the 75 and this and the 77 team kind of combined a little bit. Yeah, that team was good. That's that, that team was really good. That 75 team. Um, but, you know, you have to remember the competition where we thought it was really uh, stout back then. And, you know, Alamo Heights and the, and the Clear Creek, Clear Lake uh, were really Lamarck, um, Humble. Those were the teams that we uh, would always end up playing at state. So, like, that was a fall season back in the day. Yeah. And it's going to be a fall season starting for uh, UIL in fall 2021. But so – Every weekend, so like you drove down to San Antonio, or or you drove down to Houston, is is that how is that how it yeah. pretty much works? Almost almost every weekend. And it wasn't a really long season, maybe a couple months, and um, but yeah, we we would make road trips literally every weekend. Because and nobody ever came up to Dallas. Come on, like you never had a home game because because I know Mihai doesn't like to have home games now either, but <laughs> I don't recall ever having those teams up to Dallas. Okay. They're, I, I do remember yeah. this is a long time ago. I was a, I was what a sixth or seventh grader and I came up and played at a state championship for eighth grade and under at the St. Mark's pool from San Antonio. This was a little bit later. This was like in the early eighties, but yeah, that was a long time. Yeah. Ago. Well, that's interesting. I didn't know there was middle school water pool in the eighties. Apparently. Yeah. I just, I mean, well, we, I remember we taking a trip. Yeah, because I remember I was introduced to water polo uh, at Camp Longhorn. Oh, really? Really? Um, yeah, and so and so the guy that started Tags Water Polo, Tex Robertson, and coached the UT team, you know, started this Camp Inks Lake. I'm sorry, Camp Longhorn on Inks Lake, and it was very aquatics focused. And one of the things we did was play water polo, you know, in these in these pools that were you know set out into the lake. And uh, that was a lot of fun. And uh, we also played a version of water polo called water polo, uh, called watermelon water polo, where really? they'd grease the watermelon <laughs> you'd have to, and they'd paint it like white. And you would just basically try to take it underwater, hold on to that greased water polo ball, I'm sorry, water, watermelon, and make it down to the other end without getting drowned. That sounds like and so a that was game. quite fun. That, yeah, that sounds like a game for swimmers that don't have any ball handling skills. So there you go. Yeah, it was but, great. And uh, but anyway, so, so I started playing water polo my freshman year at St. Mark's, largely because I had been injured. I, I was I was a competitive tennis player, you know, when I was 12, 13, 14. And, um, but I was also, I played football in the fall. So I was the quarterback on the middle school team. And, um, and but I, got, I had to have knee surgery. My knees got messed up from tennis and football. And so I had also learned water polo, you know, at camp. And I was a swimmer uh, in middle school during the winter. So I was a pretty good swimmer. So I just dropped football and uh, took up water polo my freshman year. That's how there's, I got into it. There's been plenty of people that have kind of dropped football or dropped basketball and come over to the pool. So it's been great. Yeah. Um, and I, and I mean, and nowadays, you know, um, water polo is what one of the biggest sports at St. Mark's. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the, the aquatics uh, program at St. Mark's, water polo and swimming. I mean, I, there's it's definitely the biggest sport at St. Mark's in terms of people. 
Uh, they started middle school, and uh, I think there's 30 kids on the water polo team, and probably more than that on the swim team. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, uh, it's just grown by leaps and bounds. Even, even since I've been up here for the last 10 years, it's grown like the sheer numbers. And um, now, I mean, so water polo back in the day, we already talked about a couple rules and such that were different. You have watched water polo now and kind of grown over, like, over the past couple of decades. What's the primary differences, but yeah, just besides the coaching and such like that, from the water polo back in the 70s and the water polo nowadays? Well, I mean, the, well, one, one big difference is there's so many more teams that play, and there's women, and there's, there's, there's girls that play. Um, so there, it's just a much bigger sport now than it was back then in terms of uh, participation. I'd also say that the, the overall level of play is far greater. I mean, the, the kids are putting a lot of effort into it, and we have club water polo now. So kids are able to play year-round. So kids are getting better coaching, and they're working harder at it for longer, and so they're a lot better. So were you able to play? Skills are a lot, a lot better. So we, we have, back in the day, yeah, were you able to play outside your high school season kind of at all? No. No, there was no, there was no club water polo in North Texas until, uh, what, 10 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I just didn't know if there was masters or not back in the day. Um, but no, I mean, it's just that that's, yeah, that's amazing that you guys were so successful and only played for what, what about, uh, what, two to three months a year. So yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. But I think that was the way that everybody did it throughout the state too, because everybody then would go into swim season and then they'd have baseball or, or, yeah, or something in, in the spring. And then everybody would go do something during the summer. So I don't think there was yeah. a whole lot of people playing a lot. Yeah. I mean, the level of all sports was much, is, is much, has been elevated a lot right. um, in the last 40, 50 years. I mean, so um, yeah, back, back in the day, it was like, you know, I could play, I could play water polo in the fall. I'd swim in the spring and then in, in, the, in the winter. And then the, in the spring, you know, one year I played baseball, one year I played golf, one year tennis. I finished up strong as a senior with ping pong. Really? Yeah. There you go. That's a little different, yeah. but that's okay. Yeah. A little Basically, bit less injury happening. Basically, it was the way for me to get off campus very quickly. <laughs> oh, I understand. You got to find the loopholes. You got to find yeah. the loopholes. So now, like, how many teams were at the state championship back in the yeah, just back in the seventies? You know, I think we had probably about uh, it was sixteen or eight. I can't remember how many exactly made it. I, I think this my senior year. I remember we played a a round robin on Saturday and Sunday. And um, my guess is, is that eight teams qualified for, for uh, the state championship. And I remember we ended up, uh, we lost to Clear Creek by one. And then Alamo Heights beat Clear Creek by one. And then the final game was we played Alamo Heights. And we literally scored a goal with like one second left to win by one. And so all three teams ended up with the same record and the exact same goal differential. So all of us shared the state title that year. Yeah, uh, I definitely yeah. see that on that is that everybody has to take a little bit of a double take whenever they're going up the yeah. list of the, of the former state championship. And there was not enough time to keep playing. So we had to go home. Oh, hey, you know what? I have been kicked out of pools before kind of during tournaments. So, but that must have been very nice to end the, end a tournament like that, but a little bittersweet that you have to share it too. So 
Yeah, it was great. I mean, I remember that, that game against Alabama Heights. I actually wrote my college essay on that game. Really? Yeah. What specifically yeah. on the just game? The, just the – it was just so dramatic, just the back and forth and the physical effort that it took and, and the, you know, the twists and turns, you know, and, and how it related to – you know, I, I think water polo is a great sport for, for, for uh, you know, a lot of reasons. And one is that it's so difficult and you have to work so hard and, and you've got to fight through stuff during a game. And, um, and if you get bad calls, you got to roll with it. Uh, and um, so that's, you know, I don't remember the exact details of my, my essay, but I remember it must been a pretty good essay because it, it it got me into where I wanted to go. So. Yeah, and you went to Harvard, and you and you graduated in '82, and you actually started as a freshman in the club team, and you guys transitioned to a varsity team for your junior year. How was that overall? Yeah, so, at Harvard. Well, it was really interesting. We 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 played at uh, a pool, a really good pool that was pretty new when I got there, called. Uh, Blodgett, Blodgett. It had an indoor 50-meter pool with a separate kind of, you know, major league kind of diving well. And um, and the water polo team was club, but we had a lot of people that were really into it. I mean, and um, the current um, chairman of USA Water Polo, Mike Graff, was actually one of our refs. So he had played when he was in graduate <laughs> school there several years older, but he, he'd come back and, and referee. And, um, but our swim, our, our coach was a, a, a guy who was um, a swim coach for a local club, Belmont uh, swim club. And, um, but we had, you know, it was great. I mean, we had a really fun group of guys. It became a very much of a social thing as well. Of course. Uh, we all got along it always does together. in college athletics. So, yeah. And, um, but it was freewheeling. I mean, we would, I won't get into too much of what we we do, but we didn't have any supervision. Any we can stick supervision. to the pool. We can stick to the pool if you like. We can yeah, stick, we'll to, stick the pool. to the pool. But it was um, quite fun, and uh, you know we'd travel around and we'd play played all the other Ivy League teams, and and uh, we'd beat them all except for Brown. Okay. Brown had a really good coach, and uh, they recruited from California. Um, all of my teammates were. I think when I started as a freshman, I had almost all of them from California, but we had a, a goalie from Miami and we had another guy who was also a senior when I got there, who was uh, from St. Louis, who was a really good player. Um, and I was the only Texan, um, but it was great fun. We played, you know, Iona, Fordham, Bucknell, Navy, um, all the other, you know, like Duke, Teams like that, and then so 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 for your first we'd have um, UCLA or Stanford would make a trip through uh, like through the New East, and, nice, and we'd play them. And that was always a humbling experience, I'm sure, even back in the day, right? It was a humbling experience, but we uh, when we played UCLA, we played at Blodgett, and it was on local TV. So I actually scored a goal on local there, TV. There you was, go, there you go. Yeah, so we, now we lost fifteen to three. <laughs> 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 that's okay. That's okay. You did like, like you didn't let him score 20. That's yeah. that's the main thing. So, but, um, now 
how did you get it going from club yeah to varsity? What was that process? Obviously, you were you were probably part of that process in the day. Yeah, I was. I was um, my sophomore year. Um, the um, some of the guys a year older than me, and as well as some uh, as as me and some of my classmates decided that hey, you know, we're taking this pretty seriously, and, and we're not bad, you know, for the East. So why don't we? And we're playing teams like Yale was varsity at the time. Um, and Brown was varsity, and we wanted to beat Brown badly. And so we figured maybe we need to be varsity. And so we petitioned the athletic department, and lo and behold, they said yes. And uh, we actually did have one woman on the team. That's okay. And so she played on the men's team, varsity. Was she, and was she a good productive player on the men's team? Yeah, she was. Yeah, I mean, she wasn't very, very – large or anything you know but, but um yeah yeah but short quick and aggressive can make up for that so yeah yeah so um but it was it changed quite a bit as once we became varsity um and but the other thing that we did was we had two seasons up there so we'd play in the ncaa's in the fall and then we'd take the winter off and then the spring we could play club so and we continued that even after we were varsity so we'd play varsity in the fall and then we'd have our club team, you know, kind of start up in the spring. So it was, you know, a lot of water polo. Up there. It was the it best was of both worlds. It was the best of both worlds. Yeah, it was. So, so you were supervised in the fall with a coach and practices and then in the spring, uh, maybe not as supervised. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> did you ever get, <laughs> did you ever get Rowdy Gaines to come out and play? No, Rowdy Gaines was not there, but Bobby Hackett was at Harvard. Oh, I thought Rowdy Gaines was at Harvard because I know that his um, name's on the like is on the record board up there. So, well, that's because I'm sure he came. I think he's, he, I think he swam for Georgia or Tennessee or something like that, okay. Florida. Okay. But but Bobby Hackett was at Harvard, but he, he was not a water player. He was the best arm wrestler I ever saw. Okay. That is that. Yeah. That's yeah. a little cross training. That would actually kind of, you would think that that would transition kind of to the pool. Did he at least try it? Did he at least try water pole? Never, never came out. I don't think his coach who was uh, also his, his uh, local swim coach, Joe Bernal was also the uh, head swim coach at Harvard and he had Bernal's Gators and Bobby was a product of that program. And that's why he was at Harvard. So I don't think Joe Bernal would have ever, let Bobby try uh, water polo. Did you let any of the swimmers ever come over? Yes. Okay. We good. did have, we had lots of swimmers. Okay. That, yeah, I mean, that, lots of guys that did both. And Blodgett Pool is still a very nice pool and they have, they have kept it up very well up there. Um, my one funny story from Harvard was my first year coaching of varsity water polo on the East Coast. This is before I had even coached a game. There was a tournament at Harvard the first weekend of the season we weren't playing so I thought I'm going to go up to Harvard and yeah and yeah and scout my competition so I had never been to Harvard I had never been to Boston so I drove up there and this is back in the day whenever like I, I had to get out the map quest stuff and they were in like their stuff wasn't on like on her phone and I'm driving around the Harvard campus and I and I'm looking for any sign of a pool type thing and I have to stop and I asked uh, finally, this on this on a Saturday morning. The seventh person I asked finally knew, oh, kind of where the pool was. The seventh person, 
No one else knew where the pool was at the time. And I'm like, really? Come on. And then it was across the river. So that's why it wasn't actually on campus. I mean, it, it was on campus, but yeah. it was, uh, like it was, it was more adjacent to campus. But I was like, okay, they have their priorities straight up here. They have their priorities straight up here. <laughs> like the athletics wasn't like the biggest thing for a lot of those students there. So, but I like, well, you know, Harvard, Harvard is one of the few places where you have to learn how to swim to grow. Really? Okay. I, yeah. Then I'm shocked that there weren't more people that, uh, that, uh, that, um, that had the ability to, uh, um, to, to know where the pool was, but that's okay. But uh, now after Harvard, um, you went and worked and became very successful in the business world and kind of made your way back to, to North uh, Texas and eventually started playing again for Dallas Water Bowl. So how'd that happen? Yeah, it's funny. I, I, uh, I spent about four years in New York after graduating from, from college and, um, and then came back down to Dallas in 86 and, um, and worked in, in the investment business which I still do. And, um, but I, you know, I stopped playing water polo when I was 22. And then I started again, 22 years later when I was 44. And the reason was, is my kids, one of my daughters was getting tutored by a math teacher at St. Mark's for math. And she was married to Mihai Oprea. Really? I didn't know. That That is, that is, I didn't know. And so, but I knew he was a swing and water polo coach and I knew, I think I'd met him once. So I knew he was from Romania and, um, but I didn't really know him. And we started talking about water polo. I said, Oh boy, you know, I wish I could play now because, you know, when I was 26, I started wearing glasses and now I wear contacts and, you know, there's no way I'm going to get in the pool with a bunch of glasses on yeah. and my contacts <laughs> are going to wash out. And then that was my perception. Yeah. Okay. And, and she said, no, what are you talking about? Lots of people were play water polo contacts on. I said, really? And she said, yeah, you should come out. Call me high. So I did. And he told me about Dallas water polo club. So I came out. So it's just a serendipitous meeting with uh, Janice Oprea, who basically got me back into water polo. And you don't say no to Janice. So no, no, yeah, no. like if she wants you to go play, you're going to go play for sure. So no, that's, no. I didn't know that story actually. So, um, and then how was it getting back into the pool? There's no flags on the pool deck. There's no switching in center defense. It's a whole different game. Well, you know, it's, it's in one way it was like riding a bike again, but unfortunately it was like riding a bike, like a three-year-old. Um, <laughs> And uh, cause I, you know, I, I remembered how to do things, how to do the egg beater and how to swim and how to shoot and so forth and so on. But, you know, I had never really been trained by a great, by a real, by a, a real water polo coach. Yep. So I was more like, uh, you know, I, I just figured it out kind of. And, um, but it was really fun because there were people like Mihai, I can't say enough about, what people like Mihai Oprea have done for water polo in the state and Frank Connor and Andres Rodriguez and George Fenton and all these, all the people who had been, you know, with Dallas water polo from the time that Mihai kind of came to the United States. I think he, I think, I don't remember if he started it, but he got involved and they had some really, really good teams before I was even involved. And, and they um, and, and they still have some good teams still. So, yeah, yeah, and so, but it was great because there were people on those teams that I, you know, when I started, I mean, 
I had to, used to have, when I, the first six months, I'd have to ice my shoulders after almost every time getting <laughs> in the water because, you know, I just was not used to swimming. It was it's 22 only, years. It was 22 years. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but it was great, you know, with a, within a reasonably short period of time, you know, I kind of got into the flow pretty well and um, got to play a lot of water polo against most of the teams in Texas, but we've, you know, taken a lot of trips to other places as well, Chicago and California and so forth and so on. So it's been fun. I actually played at that tournament in Chicago. That was a long time ago. Jeez. I remember that. So um, now, I mean, also kind of, you like you you came back and played master water polo and you mentioned George Fenton who kind of led the way as far as the like starting and getting a lot more youth water polo going back in 2009 how did you kind of what part did you play and how did you get involved or, or kind of how did George get uh, you involved then so back so I guess um, you're gonna have to remind me exactly what year it was so I think I started playing Dallas Masters in 2004 and I'm guessing it was maybe 2009 or so. Yep, yep. That is when we started George. Youth Water and, and at that time, it was still only us. Up, you know, it was Dallas Water Polo Club Masters. It was St. Mark's and maybe one or two other high schools in North Texas. Right, right. That was the, all, the only water polo we had. Yeah, there was, there, the was, uh, there was South Lake Carroll played boys and girls, and then Denton kind of played a combined boys and girls. Right. So there was very little water polo. I mean, SMU wasn't playing anymore. And, um, and George came to me and he said, I, I want to start a, a junior program within Dallas Water Polo Club. And I think we should hire Joe Linehan from Houston and bring him up here to do it. And I don't know if you had already talked to George about this idea at that point. I think you had. I think you yeah. and George had already worked this stuff out. And George wanted me to help pay for it. And I said, absolutely, I'd love to do that. Even though the only thing I know about Joe is what I saw on the pool deck from the other side. That was a little, yeah, I can be loud. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of uh, very assertive coaching going on there. But, I, and, yeah, but I, yeah, but our teams were competitive and well coached and stuff like that. Yeah, they were. And uh, very, very well coached and very competitive. And um, I also knew that you had been, you know, you were basically one of these water polo animals that eat sleep and drink water polo and you'd done a great job of growing the sport in Houston so made a lot of sense and so uh, we brought you you know George and I partnered on this endeavor uh, from a financial standpoint and um, we brought you up here and the rest is history yeah and it's I mean and I and I appreciate you stepping up and um, it was it was a challenge coming up here yeah for sure and it was but i also kind of see it as a blank of like a blank canvas and without the support of you and george and the community it would not have happened and it this was a this was a huge kind of a team effort yeah yeah by far and you were a big part of that so i so i thank you so any of those athletes that played back in the day or are playing now it is because of the decisions of george and houston and some others that were involved to actually um, uh, kind of make a concerted effort. We are going to build our junior water polo program here. So, yeah, I mean, guys like uh, like I, like I mentioned, Mihai and, and Andres Rodriguez and Frank Connor was huge, and all the people that have that have refereed and helped coach. You know, that really yeah. started 
that were part of the Dallas Water Polo Club. So yeah, I think exactly. the Masters community up here has um, deserves a lot of credit. For and now the wonderful part is that a lot of those players that played back in 2009 or after are now coming back and playing now for Dallas Water Polo Club. Exactly. So all these kids that I got to know when they were fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade at St. Mark's went on to win state championships and go play at Brown or, or, you know, Cal or, you know, Navy or wherever they went are now coming back. So as a, so as a master's player back in those days, like, especially the early days, you know, whenever we were kind of ramping up all the events around the state and such, how was it going and playing as Dallas to go play like a Viper Pigeon team or a Thunder team or a St. Mark's team and going, I have to play these guys again. <laughs> you know, it was, um, it was really fun actually, because uh, the, Saint, the, the, the high school kids did not like to lose to us. Oh no. <laughs> and, and I remember hearing you, hearing you and other coaches saying, those guys are old enough to be your parents. And swim them, swim them. Swim them, swim them. <laughs> and, and so our whole strategy was to hold on. Yeah, exactly. We also tell them, they're just going to hold you. Just keep moving. Yeah. They will let go. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, 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 we, and, and mostly we beat teams, but we not always. And, uh, and it, was, it was really challenging and to play uh, people that were in shape, you know, because we never were in very good shape. And, uh, and still aren't in great shape, but. Um, that's Masters Water Polo though, so. Yeah, that's Masters just... Water Polo. You know, we try, but I mean, it's hard when you practice them for an hour or two a week. Well, Joe and I have been talking on this machine for like 90 minutes or maybe even two hours or something like that. So I think I think we're done. But uh, as usual, let's uh, let's hear what's coming up on, uh, in this week and beyond, Joe. Yeah, so tonight, um, this is gonna be out there before um, this the podcast gets kind of published on the website, mm-hmm. but uh, on Tuesday, May nineteenth at six thirty p.m., we have our town hall meeting. It's going to be, it's going to be about about athletes going to play water polo in college from Texas, specifically yeah. from Texas, because it is a little bit different for everybody. So we're going to be going over that. Um, and then this week, we also started with our coaches to coaches on both Tuesdays and Thursdays. So prior to kind of recording this podcast, we had the coach to coaches with Jeff Otten. And then this upcoming Thursday at, at 12:30, we have um, our coach coaches with Coach Sabrina Carlisle. So, and then next week will be Mihai Preya and Jeff Chandler. The week after that's going to be um, myself and Caitlin Kelly. Um, and we'll keep those two per week on Tuesdays and, and Thursdays, kind of going through the first week of June. And then we're going to change it up a little bit and probably kind of do it at a different day, a different time. And maybe not as regular. So, but uh, as everybody gets busy getting back to practice right. and just get busy with their summer vacations. So that is so the hope, absolutely, is that people are going to be too busy to take part in these things all the time. But until then, yeah, it's great to have these things. Um, and then, and then also, obviously, as we've just been talking about the our best of Texas two, and a reminder to contact us like if you have uh, input about the programs that have excelled over the longest period of time, then let us know, and you can just write us at pod at tx waterpolo.com all right anything else joe not nah, james uh take care and good luck in the pool so. yes practice tomorrow three o'clock for those of my aqua texans who are listening so yes thank you very much joe and thanks to houston hall for taking time to talk with you and thanks to everybody for listening and telling a friend about the tx water polo podcast keep an eye open there might be some uh, total water polo podcast coming up too 
just to let you know. But you can find us on TXWaterPolo.com, listen to the podcast, find us on social media, leave comments, give it the cause, and generally stay up to date with the state of the game. But until next week, so long from Austin. This has been a production of TWP Sports, LLC. My dog is scratching at the door. Uh, I can hear him.